You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, and we dig plants. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we're Groundworks Inc. We design, install, and maintain gardens here in New York City. And our show, We Dig Plants, aims to bring the culture to horticulture. We try. A little (laughs) little every day. So we're broadcasting today from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street in fabulous Bushwick. And there's a garden on top of this radio container that produces food for the restaurant. Today's sponsor is Cane5.com. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. If you want more information, go to www.cane5.com. It is not officially winter here yet in New York City, um, but it's a good time to start cleaning up your garden and to think about the garden in spring Mm -hmm. so how do you do that what's step one in you hire us garden (laughs) (laughs) that's step one (laughs) we thought we would give you um, on today's show some tips and advice um if you can't hire our team of gardeners (laughs) and or you and or if you want to make sure that your gardener or you are doing the right thing. Yeah, that's our favorite thing, Alice, right? When we take over a new garden that another gardener was taking care of. Tisk tisk tisk. Tis, tis. We like to sh- point out how we can do better. This just won't do. So, what do you what do you what's the number one thing to take care of your garden at this time of year other than planting bulbs, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. um, a little separately, but th- I think the number one thing um, would be to clean up those fallen leaves. Yes. Um, you want to rake them up and you don't want to leave them um, over the winter because that's when mold and bacteria starts and blight. Um, yeah. Especially on your lawn. You don't leave piles of leaves because it will kill it. You know, it, it'll, they'll mat down, get wet, get pushed down by the snow if you live in a cold area. Now, that's not saying that the leaves are bad. Of course, you put them in compost. And if you shred them. Right. Cut them up, shred them. With your mower or with these. Um, we have this great tool that we love. It's a blower and a shredder. Mm-hmm. First, you vacuum up the leaves. And then um, first, you blow them into a pile. Then you vacuum them up. And in the process of vacuuming, there's a shredder in there. And then it makes them finer so that they don't mat down. Then you can put them down on your perennial beds as a mulch. Right. But not too thick. Right. And you also want to clean up the plants and, and, you know, any dead leaves, um, diseased leaves that are on your roses, on your, you know, tomatoes. You want to get that stuff up and out of there because otherwise it's just going to breed in the soil. Yeah, it can bring diseases, especially plants like rhododendrons that are very prone to disease, roses that are very prone to disease. Right. If you leave, if you think, oh, it's good to have the leaves down there as mulch, whatever diseases are in there now are going to breed over the winter, and then you'll have a real problem in the spring. So you can throw them on the compost pile, but don't leave them under the same plant like that. You know, right. And and now's the time to dig up the small annuals and any herbs that you want to keep and repot them and bring them inside so you can enjoy them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you can also take cuttings and propagate so that you um, also don't have to repurchase them. 
in yeah. the spring and save some money. Yeah, and actually, um, we have a client that has amazing um, um, New Zealand um, tree ferns. Right. And it's it's really horrible to throw them out. It it's take, an annual. It's an, it's an annual in our region. Client, in our region. Yeah. But we dig them up and pot them up and actually put it in his greenhouse so he can enjoy them in the winter because... If, to start over again, you know, you, you, first of all, in winter, you can't even find these plants, you know, and we've grown them from small little plants throughout the season. So he can get another three or four months of enjoyment out right. of them, uh-huh. you know, rather if so, if you have a light filled, you know, cooler room, you can put some of those really great like begonias or even those coleus. tropicals. Yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. can cut them. I love geraniums yeah. like just oh, yeah you know that that boring old red geranium or that pink geranium that you bought you know to pop into a container just for a little extra color that makes me so happy on February 10th I know. When I know. it's miserable outside and I know there's some color in your yeah. windowsill it really I mean I have a funny story to tell many many years ago Alice um I had the privilege of taking care of the plants on Leona Helmsley's terrace. Right. And she was notoriously frugal. Uh-huh. Um, and she saved every geranium. And they had, she brought them in and she had like four foot geraniums um, that were probably like, I don't know, 15 years old at that point. <laughs> and they looked amazing because they were, they were like sculpture. So she didn't throw them out and, I was in fear of my life. I couldn't let the geraniums die. So right. That's, that's, that's an some e- pressure. <laughs> that's an extreme example. But if you happen to love, um, you know, the plants that you've had out in the garden, you can cut them down. You can prune them, repot them, and feed them, mm-hmm. some of them, and bring them in and continue to enjoy them. Yeah. And also, it's a good idea to empty out your pots if they're not frost-proof. Yes. Frost-proof. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they'll crack with the... Um, frost and the heaving and the ice so empty them out um you know pot up those plants if you can um empty them of soil turn them upside down yep yep preferably a tarp over them or bring them into the basement or yeah especially the terracotta ones they tend to absorb the water what causes the freezing is the pot the clay absorbs the water Mm -hmm. and then when it freezes it expands and cracks them so um, nice containers are you know, hard to come by and expensive. So right. why waste them? You know, right. another thing that we um, always do as gardeners um, doing our cleanups is we put a layer of compost um, in the garden beds, just a light layer, one inch or so. This will nourish the ground through the winter and it will be primed and ready to grow then when the spring comes around. And we don't recommend using much mulch in the fall unless it's on new plantings where you need to you know, plantings that have happened in like September or yeah, October. Yeah. Um, because, you you know, for, for water conservation, mulch is a good idea. But mm-hmm. now that we're getting into winter and rainy, wet seasons, that's like we were saying earlier, if you use mulch, that's when... Mildew, yeah. People think more is better. Yeah. So they put like four inches of mulch and and then after a while, if they keep putting too much, it creates this like mat Uh and water can't even penetrate. It kind of decomposes into this solid thing and it actually repels water. Mm -hmm. So that isn't good. And you should never 
put mulch up against the trunk of trees. We can't stress that enough. That is, you know, slow and certain death. For, right. for trees but compost in the fall is a great yeah. soil additive yeah it makes it look nice and neat and tidy mm-hmm. it has that beautiful rich dark black look and yeah. um and it feeds the soil getting yeah. ready for spring just an inch or so uh-huh. is, is enough so let's talk a little bit about pruning carmen that's a yeah. big thing right now yes and um we always recommend you know you really have to know what shrubs you have and when to prune them um because uh, if you do like all your pruning right now in the fall, you could really be cutting off the flowers that are going to come in the spring. Things like uh, forsythia, camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas. Those have to be pruned after they bloom. So that's in the spring. You don't want to cut those now because you'll be cutting off the new flowers. Yes. I mean, you can cut like for shaping purposes for shaping or if you see a dead branch you know kind you can nick the stem a little bit see if it's green or soft or alive and you can open it up a little bit and thin it out if you want to or crossing branches but most people which is something that really bothers me they and and this a lot of gardeners do it and and people don't know any better they just see their gardeners turn all of their flowering shrubs into meatballs we call them they round them and they do it all in the summer or in the fall they've effectively cut off a lot of the flowers that they would have had, and it has this unnatural look to it. There's nothing uglier to me than a forsythia that's turned into a ball. Mm-hmm. It's just not the natural shape for the planet. It's not intended to be topiary. It's intended to be, you know, a wild native natural yeah. thing. Yeah, and right. it blooms very early in April. So if you cut it now, you're cutting off most of the blooms, and the plant is not pretty when it's not in bloom. No, it's, you know? it actually sucks yeah. <laughs> in the vernacular. Yeah, it looks really ugly. So you know, talk to your gardeners, educate yourself about what plant species you have and when they bloom, really take notes in season. And then, you know, when they come, they just literally, and I say this literally, blow through, they blow through, they prune, they shape, and they don't really know what they're doing. And sometimes it really frustrates us. Alice and I have to work in conjunction with other landscapers sometimes because a client might have a lawn space. It's rare, but it does sometimes happen. And we are astounded at how little they know about pruning about taking care of yeah, perennials yeah they're more of a maintenance firm so they do the the lawn care and then they blow out the leaves and mm-hmm. you know and we really have to educate them about when to prune what to prune how to prune and they don't know a perennial from a weed so sometimes after we've put in a garden a new like a perennial border or a new you know shrub border for a client uh, some some of them, the good ones, like say, no, no, you know, we won't touch it until you tell us what to do. But some of the arrogant ones just go in and do whatever they want without um, yeah, and any then the, consideration. And then and then you as the garden owner are left without any flowers and without any color in the spring. And, um, and or, so, so what you do now really affects yeah, your your springtime yeah. and summertime garden. We had a client who we, we made an amazing border garden in the suburbs. And it was timed, you know, to flower all different times of the season. The landscaper came and stuffed a bunch of shrubby, like, you know, flowering trees trees into the border. Because he didn't understand what they were. No, he didn't see. The perennials were still small because the first year they tend to be small. It takes like three years to turn into something. And they thought, oh, this is not anything. Let me just stuff these empty holes with, you know, what looks good now. And the client was was mortified, you know, like was incredibly like, why? Why did he do this? Right. You know? 
But so. another issue for, for winter and fall is, is water. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure to blow out your hoses yep. and turn off the, your water bib um, and blow it out so that there's no leftover water freezing and cracking your pipes. That's um, right. You want to coil up your irrigation hoses because if it's a kind of DIY do-it-yourself um, soaker hose soaker hose because yeah. they do crack um and but at the same time you have to be conscious of the garden and that it does need water throughout the winter so if we just have a really cold winter you're gonna have to get out there with some buckets of water and put some water periodically on those trees and shrubs because they do need some moisture yeah especially newly planted ones and ones in containers people think oh it's in a you know it's winter so the plant yes so it's done it's you know, done but containers that's not true. you know do dry out much more than in the ground and as alice was saying if we have a really dry winter with almost no snow the winds combined with lack of natural rainfall or precipitation can cause real damage and the thing that people don't realize is that drought doesn't affect plants immediately it might take two or three seasons to see the effects this year in the northeast in the new york region we had a very unseasonably hot summer then we had incredibly wet fall with tornadoes hail like really rough you know situation now some of the plants showed damage immediately things like hydrangeas and perennials went into wilt and things like that but trees could take three to five years to show damage from drought so you really have to you know, watch and see, right. you know, each season. So water your plants in the in the wintertime. A little bit. You, you, know? you think you don't have to, but, but you do. Especially if you're planting in the fall, yeah. uh, which is a great time to plant gardens. Things are naturally going into their dormant period, but they still need water to um, acclimate themselves and to push out that growth before they go into the dormant period, um, which is really at, at hard freeze. So uh, let's talk for a little bit about perennials and um how to clean up those perennials Um, yes we actually for the for the late fall and for the winter we leave some of the perennials up especially if they have beautiful seed heads yes grasses look really great Mm -hmm. so you don't have to cut them all down and look at nothing no um you can leave some structure in the garden winter interest (laughs) is the phrase of the day Mm -hmm. um uh, because it is really beautiful and 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 a garden in the winter and in the late fall has a lot of structure that is not seen in the spring and in the um, summer months when the foliage is full and lush. So it's a it's a it's a time to thin out some things, move some plants around, um, think about what was successful in the garden for the summer, what didn't work. It, the fall garden is a chance to, you know, kind of reinvent it a little bit. Um, move some things around perennials if you don't want to keep them up um, you can cut them down generally to two to three inches above the ground for those herbaceous woody perennials Um, and you just want to make sure that the roots are healthy and in good shape so that they come back strong after the winter is over and you don't want to feed them you know like after september you really don't want to feed things too much because they will push out new growth in that in those, um, you know, two warm months of September and October. And then that growth will be weak and it could weaken the plant when the winter comes. So you don't need to feed them after the summertime too heavily. Um, That's why the soil compost is top dress is, is it acts as, as a feeding, but it's a, it's a gentle kind of organic 
yeah. method of yeah. feeding that's not harsh. I like what you were saying, Allison. I think of, I think of it in the same way. I like to edit my garden in the fall. And sometimes it's just a function of that's when I finally had a chance to pay attention to it because right. we're so busy. To look up and think about. Yeah. Um, so my garden, I can look at it and say, okay, what worked, what didn't. And I like to pass the plants. If, if a plant isn't really working well in my garden, but it's healthy, or I don't like the way it looks, I like to trade with friends. Uh-huh. I like to... Um, you know, donate them to like a school or a church that usually are like landscape budget, you know, deprived. Deficient, right. Deficient. They usually don't have much money. So it's nice to um, pass it on where it might work better and someone can appreciate it. Exactly. Rather than just throwing it out, you know. Right. No, give it to your neighbor, swap plants with them. You know, it's a good chance for you to get some other things um, that, that you necessarily wouldn't purchase. Now, another good thing to do in the fall is scan those nursery centers for sales. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because there's a lot of um, plants that, you know, the nursery can't overwinter them. And they, they have discounted sales to get rid of their, their merchandise. So it's a good opportunity to pick up some fancy shrubs that, you know, might not fit your budget in spring. But in fall they become a lot more attainable. Yeah. So and, you can get and those kind of sexy Al- things. Yeah. And Alice was saying people, you know, especially more and more now, and we've talked about it on previous shows, most people, the only place they can buy plants are at big superstores or like the Home Depot and Lowe's and some communities. That's kind of the only right. place. And they do not want to hold plant inventory. When you go to a local mom and pop kind of uh, garden center, they usually have some land. Mm-hmm. And they they can overwinter overwinter and heal it in. You know they put up right. these hoop houses, so they don't necessarily want to dump all of their stuff. So um, they don't always have good sales. But if you go to the bigger box store, sometimes you can get a decent plant for a really right. good price. And with regard to um, design of your garden through through the winter and color it's a good time to purchase some evergreens in the fall yeah um so that you have some evergreen structure and color you know you can really do some great things with some gold threaded evergreens and blues um and and think about think about the trunking kind of sculpture and and certain trees and and shrubs and some shrubs often produce uh, color in their stems through the winter as the temperatures get colder, like the red twig dogwood. Um, you know, the as the temperatures get colder, the twigs get redder. Yeah, and so that's really, really beautiful. And right now is is you know the fall is an abundant time of color and beauty. So you you know your your garden really should reflect that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to take a break, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk more about winterizing and cleaning up your garden. Yeah, stay tuned to We Dig Plants. So we're talking on We Dig Plants about cleaning up your garden. That was a little uh, foot-stomping cleaning music, <laughs> Motorhead. Right on, Alice. It's called Stay Clean. Stay Clean. 
Carmen, what else? What else do we do to clean the garden? All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to talk for a minute about a little OCD, my little OCD side. And No. Yes. You don't have that. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, Alice has been able to work with me for eight years. and put Sometimes up we it. have to pull, a, pull the pruners out of Carmen's hands because she goes a little crazy. A little crazy. I know. I scare clients. I'm a little uh, Edward Scissorhands sometimes. But, cause I <laughs> but do the look, gardens look good. I think they look they good. Um, but my OCD comes out in other ways, too. And I'm going to sound momish right now. But now's the time to clean and organize your tools, all right? <laughs> You need to get rid of your older broken tools so that you can start out the new season with good sharp ones. One thing that pisses me off more than anything is unsharp pruners. Yeah. Because not only is it, you know, annoying and time uh, wasting, but it's very damaging to plants. It's horrible for plants when you pull that cambrium. Yeah. You're ripping. It it invites disease and sickness and, and, and insects. And Alice was mentioning draining and coiling all your hoses. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're ready with a snow shovel now because last year we had an enormous amount of snow um, in this region, and we saw a lot of damage to um, to evergreens and mm-hmm. to trees from snow and ice. And we can't stress enough that if you are home and you see a foot of snow on your evergreens, no, they're not designed to support that, especially ones that are kind of soft and open. You know, if you have something like shapely and topiaried and, you know, um, sort of trimmed, the snow will like fall off, right? But if you have things like pines or junipers that are sort of soft evergreens, when when it like snows and then it freezes, that weight is enormous mm-hmm. on those limbs. And it can literally, we've seen last year, trees that were established four and five years old already in the container, that much snow, not just bent the branches, but literally bent, took the tree out of the ground from the root. Yeah, we'll know? talk about that in a second. But I always liken it to, imagine waking up, it's a beautiful, beautiful winter day, and all of a sudden, you've got to carry around a 75-pound backpack for the mm-hmm. day. Filled with ice. Filled with ice. <laughs> That's what it's like for your plant. You know, your poor, beautiful evergreen that you spend a lot of money on. Yeah, they tend to be expensive. expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, they're focal points in the garden. And then all of a sudden, they're just laden with ice and snow because you can't Put your boots on and go and shake your tree off. Yeah, get the broom. A broom, like a a small broom is a great, you know, you just knock on it, you know, um, and try to knock, try to knock the snow off before it freezes. So these are winter tasks that you don't think about. And a lot of people think about the evergreens as, well, they're evergreens. They don't need protection from the snow. Some people actually go so far as to put burlap Mm -hmm. over um, their evergreens. Another thing that we should actually talk about with fall cleanup is anti-desiccant yes. sprays on those broadleaf evergreens to, mm-hmm. to um, combat uh, sunburn on the leaf and windburn um, in the harsher, colder temperatures. And That's it's, right. It's a spray. It's available. It's basically like an oil-based spray. It's all mm-hmm. natural. Yeah. And it um, it just really adds like a little insulation for those leaves. Yeah, because um, 
when Alice was talking about uh, broadleaf evergreens, we're talking about like the rhododendrons, um, southern magnolias, southern magnolias, camellias, those that some fleshy leaf, thick, yeah, yeah, glossy. Not, not the needle ones. You don't need it. You can also put it on boxwoods, but it's like a waxy protectant, and it pr- protects it from the wind. Wax you know? on, wax, wax off. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really it's something really really good to do, and it wears off by the time you know yeah. spring comes. It doesn't. You don't put it on the pines on, and junipers. Don't need no, it. No, no. They have a, like a natural waxy coating, but you don't want to p- spray it on the backside of the leaves at mm-hmm. all. Only the top part um, to protect. And um, while we're on the subject of protection, I want to say a little bit about young trees. Um, yeah, and old trees too. And old trees. I know well, where you're going with this. Yes. Well, we do a lot of planting in the fall. We encourage people to plant in the fall, and uh, fall is a great time to plant trees. But you have to realize that just because the tree is there in the ground, it, you know, you can't assume that it's it's established. You know, if you plant something in September and then come December 15th, it hasn't really rooted very much, you know. So it's really susceptible to the high winds of winter, you know, exactly. knocking it over. So you have to protect the trunk because believe it or not, young trees don't have much protection from the sun. So one thing that you can put around it is there's this like bark colored um, paper to mm-hmm. protect her from sun scald. You know, you can imagine a young tree doesn't have a thick, uh, you know, thick skin, <laughs> thick skin, literally. So it can get chewed on by insects or deer, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, squirrels. or squirrels. So it's good to do that. You want to make sure you take it off in the spring because the tree will grow and you'll girdle it. Um, you also want to make sure that you stake your trees, right. you know, even if it feels really solid, you know, it's like a good size root ball and it's nice and deep. That tree, the movement of it in the winter will disturb whatever roots it was able to put down in the fall. Uh-huh. And then you could have half the tree dead by the time spring comes and you won't even realize it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We had a we had a client last winter that had probably six-year-old Leland Cypress. And this was a, a huge hedge. And it was a beautiful, mature, gorgeous evergreen screen basically um and there was a fence behind it well these trees because of the weight of the ice and the snow and because the ice and the snow wasn't knocked off on a regular basis and because of high winds particular to last year these trees ended up in a 45 degree angle in february it was so there we were you know freezing and we were tying back these trees as best as we could because we didn't want to damage i mean they were like kind of then frozen in their 45 degree state yeah so there there you are trying to dig frozen soil you know pop them back up stake them or tie them you know to to something that's more secure and uh, it was very it was a very precarious situation luckily we you know we did well and and the trees lived um but they got stressed but there it's, it's a stressful situation and it's important you know even if you have a gardener most gardeners disappear from december through march you're the person that's there seeing it every day you know yeah. you're the one that has and to, if you can't yeah. do it yourself call your gardener up and say like i need some help you know because yeah. um, otherwise, it's just lost money. It really is lost money. And, you know, things that take a long time to grow, especially a hedge, if you have a hole in the hedge, you can't just replace it with the same. You're going to have to wait, you know, a few years for it to grow in. And it's going to look like a gap tooth smile for a while, you know, <laughs> which isn't good for anybody, you know. 
So now is also a good time to plant some bulbs. And yes. Carmen and I, a few weeks ago, already had a bulb show. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we suggest putting the bulbs in later. Um, yeah. More more in the December sort of month here in the Northeast because otherwise the squirrels get them and you're just providing food for the critters. Um, but we, you know, we like to to plant them like around frost time so that so that they, you know, the frost hardens um, and over. The squirrels can't get them. Yeah, because they will. They, they over the they're watching. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. Um, so it's a good time to also think about color for the garden uh, next year and early and late uh, spring spring blooming bulbs yeah and usually a, um, a great time to plant the bulbs of course is after you've cleaned everything out uh-huh. you have a more open palette uh-huh. you can see where there's space you know sometimes people try to stuff bulbs in when the garden's all still up and and I find Foliage that laden. yeah and yeah. I find that really hard to work in that to kind think. of yeah, yeah to think you know because the bulbs you have to, as we said in the previous show have to really you know you have to put them in mass you don't put one or two you know otherwise they look like silly little soldiers it's horrible no so you know you clean up the garden you have a little bit of this you know open palette and then you can think about what you want what color you want for spring right you know? and i want to say something about um photograph your garden um think about it like as um uh, uh a palette you know so you, you it's important to sometimes take pictures of the same place you know like sure. weeks apart keep a journal right yeah and it's really nice to have a journal because you can't you know in january when those catalogs come and, you know, you start fantasizing and thinking about, you know, what you want for next year. Those photographs are invaluable. Don't rely on your memory, you know. Yeah. They they make a really good guide as to, you know, where you really have space and stuff in, in the garden. Um, in fact, our gardeners are out there right now. Photographing. Today, photographing cleaning. and cleaning <laughs> and planting uh, lots and lots of bulbs. Um, I want to say a little something about... Um, the ultimate garden winterizing task that I have a lot of memories associated with, and that is helping my dad wrap his fig trees. And we yeah, <laughs> we actually do that for a couple of clients that are fortunate enough to have fig right. trees. Um, this is a, an annual ritual. He usually does it, you know, right after Thanksgiving. Um, and it, you know, when you see those buckets wrapped in plastic or burlap, you know, around the urban areas, it's... Something that always reminds me of my dad. And And family and community, because it takes a few people to do this. (laughs) It's hard to do it by yourself. It's like breaking leaves. It's it's much better if you have a friend to do it with. Exactly. So if you are lucky enough to have like a fig tree, you know, now's the time, you know, to uh, in this area to start wrapping it and you can cut it down hard. Um, a lot of people like to grow figs because they're expensive and hard to get in markets. Right. So um, do not treat the fig tree like a bush. Don't let it have like 50 stems coming out of the ground. That's not good for the plant. It doesn't produce good fruit that way for a lot of reasons. Um, this is the time to prune it, shape it, cut it down to a manageable size. Don't worry, you know, mm-hmm. that you're cutting off um, the fruit because fig trees, unlike other things, grow right on that year's, you know, growth. Right. And you can wrap it. What my dad and I like to do is we put um, insulation blankets that are used for concrete 
insulation, mm-hmm. believe it or not, that's like one of the best things. You wrap it, you tie it, you make it kind of a narrow column, and then you can wrap it with burlap or plastic. And then, of course, my dad has to put a five-gallon bucket on top. You know, to what's the what's the significance of the bucket? Well, the bucket is to prevent water and snow oh, from getting into... inside, and then you know, um, okay. keeping it too wet because right. you want it to go dormant. Of course, in Italy, where my family's from, we don't have to do that. They just turn into giant trees, and they don't need protection. But it's worth doing because there's nothing nicer than in August picking your own yeah. ripe fig. Right, Alice? A little blue cheese and fig. It's, it's a nice taste of summer. So Right. So the, the garden really in the fall is really like studying for the spring exam. Yeah. You know, like cleaning up the garden is really um, preparation for the spring kind of floral (laughs) bonanza that's coming your way (laughs) yeah and the winter is a great time to plan and to fantasize and to really appreciate it like alice was saying before you know in spring and summer there's abundance and Uh fall and winter there's it's a it's reflection Mm -hmm. and it's a time to think and it's a time to plan so yeah and your head isn't in the thick of the weeds you know you're not down in there like trying you know to get every weed out and yeah you know it's a good time to stand back and look right you know and admire right. all the growth and all the work that happened um in the previous months observe and appreciate yep those are our words for today <laughs> <laughs> okay so thank you for listening you've been listening to we dig plants on the heritage radio network This show, as all other shows, is available for listening via archive at heritageradionetwork.com and also via iTunes podcast. We'll be posting our list of tips on our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We dig plants. Please join. Please comment. We need to hear from our listeners. Do you like us? Do you hate us? What do you want to hear? We're planning our next show. Ah, but I'm bummer. Thanks to Jack Inslee for producing and Matt Weiner for engineering and Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Happy gardening and get to work cleaning. <laughs> <laughs>